Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. Career, so if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I know. Never... If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, we'll Jackson. Jack. I'm Tim Howell. on the, the board. S&P futures down 52. Nasdaq futures down 284. Dow futures down 256. That's not good. We were un- unchanged uh, last night for most of the time. We have Brendan. Is Brendan causing all this? Yeah, I'm here, but I'm not causing anything. I'm just minding my own business over here. You're just uh, with this uh, Martin Luther King holiday day? We did. In fact, a lot of it was spent over at Notre Dame. My grandson was um, visiting. He has a hockey tournament at Notre Dame over the weekend, and so we watched some of the games over there at the Compton Ice Arena. That's a nice That's a nice, nice facility, and I love the Zamboni, the Golden Blue Zamboni. Now, that's what I always... Um, are, are you still on your bucket list? Want to be a Zamboni driver somewhere? I would love to drive that Zamboni. Yes, Zamboni driving is still on my bucket list. <laughs> Seems like it'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> Anywho, it sure would be. Well, I had an interesting weekend. Yeah, when that thing came out, when that thing came out of the uh, out of the under belly of the of the arena and started on the ice, I said, "Oh my goodness!" I took pictures of it because I I do want to drive that Zamboni because of how cool it looked. Well, it's the only I'd love to drive any Zamboni on the ice to clean the ice, but that one was pretty cool. Well, did you uh, did you guys have a seat or standing room? Uh, well, it was a 10-year-old hockey tournament. Oh, so all right. <laughs> there were plenty of seats available. Because <laughs> if you go to a game and you, and you get standing room and you're like, yeah, I don't want standing room. Actually, if you have standing room up in the back, there's a big, long counter where if you want to put your drink or your hot dog or whatever, Mm-hmm. Although I don't think they're doing hot dogs now with the COVID. I don't know what the connection is between COVID and hot dogs. But um, you actually have a spot, and you and you can have a counter to lean on, and it's you know, you're know you pretty close to the ice, and you have stuff there for your dog, and I don't know if they serve beer. It's actually not a bad not a bad spot at all. you got something to lean on, and uh, it's about as nice a standing room as you're going to find. We watched part of one of the games from that spot. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's right behind the student section. Yeah. In fact, I was looking to see the, the gold-painted benches. They're just uh, benches down there. For the st- and I didn't understand why there were benches at that end of the ice. And then I realized that's the student section. So the, the poor schlubs who go to school there have to uh, sit on a bench instead of the nice, comfortable seats in the rest of the arena. Um, yeah, there was no... When I, uh, when I attended, there wasn't a whole lot... The, the, let's put it this way. The football tickets were included. All right, I won't say they were free because obviously you paid, right? Uh, so they they were included. Uh, you had to buy your basketball and your uh, your hockey tickets. I don't I don't think f- very few students had hockey tickets. We always did because the uh, mm-hmm. the dorm I lived in uh, was was home to I'm going to say half the hockey team. So I knew those guys real well. The, out of all the guys who played sports, the guys who were Hockey players, or they were all my buddies. I don't think there was any football players in our dorm, and I knew a couple in class, but not very much. Basketball players, I knew them because some of my buddies tutored. Um, but the basketball players and I were pretty good buddies. They were all good golfers. And they all played bridge, you know. So I played bridge and I golfed. So we were we were pretty uh, pretty pretty tight. And uh, we had we would go sit right behind the in the old arena. We'd sit right behind the opposing goalie. Just mm-hmm. give the guy grief all night long. Hey, Siv. <laughs> we of course knew the guy's name. And we found <laughs> it. But it was always if you got turned around, like who are these idiots? <laughs> the idiots were they were us. I love. 
I, I love the sign on the penalty box, the sin bin. Yeah. Repent like a champion today. This door is always open. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, an interesting weekend. We, uh, uh, my uh, significant other is long a puppy. So, uh, ah. so I was helping with that all weekend and, uh, very interesting. Is that a Betty White puppy? A what? A Betty White puppy? Uh, actually, no, a, a, uh, Standard poodle puppy. Well, I meant because uh, Betty White's birthday was oh. yesterday. A lot of the shelters put on this big rush to adopt a puppy in Betty's honor, and a lot of animals found their permanent homes, their forever homes, over the weekend in honor of Betty White. Well, um, what you say? I'll keep this story brief, but uh, in this world, nothing is easy, Brendan. This lady is a breeder. She was originally from Evergreen Park, and then she moved to Indiana. But she was going to bring all the dogs back to Evergreen Park, right? Because she, all these people wanted, there's a couple of litters, so Audrey wanted a black male, and she ended up with a apricot female, and I said, yeah, what's the difference? Uh, and, uh, so, cute little thing. I mean, in a picture, anyway, you pick, people are picking out their dogs by video. I mean, you know, this is, this world we're in is a little, I'm not so sure, I, I've yet come, got accustomed to it. Um, so, meanwhile, uh, the lady has her husband drive the dogs up in his van. Well, it must have snowed somewhere where the hell they are in Indiana. And, and to come out of their cul-de-sac or whatever is like a hill. Well, the hill is icy, and the guy makes it up halfway up the hill, and the thing starts sliding down. So he spins out, blows a tire, and all the dogs get, like, jostled about. Nobody he didn't hit anything. So he ends up coming up with another car. So the dogs are being transfer to people in the Menards parking lot like they're like they're drug dogs. I'm thinking what, what, the, what the hell is this? So then we we pull into the Menards parking lot and the lady calls and says, by the way, you guys gotta wait a while because uh we we gave the wrong dog, your dog to somebody else and they're bringing her back. And I go, okay. Well it turns out they give the dog to this family, nice lady, two daughters the dog to this nice family, and they drive all the way to Oak Park. They're supposed to be getting a male, and they end up with the female. But it, they take they make it all the way to Oak Park to realize that unless he's one of these new kind of males that decides when he's later, he's missing like a male appendage. <laughs> so, so, so they decide, hey, this guy's not a male. <laughs> so, they, they, so the poor dog is now in a, in a, in a car wreck and, and adapted to somebody with two kids <laughs> and now she gets handed to us right so this this is all before like two o'clock the poor poor pooch so we end up getting her home and she's a sweet little thing not a not a not a uh not a mean bone in her body well of course the big plan is she's gonna be cage trained and all this kind of stuff and uh well that lasted about an hour so i watched the end of the basketball game i, I wander in and uh, who do you suppose is, is sleeping in my spot in bed with the pooch? And, uh, <laughs> but she graciously moved over, and I go, all right, what's the difference? <laughs> but the 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 other dog, Maggie, the Maltese, is absolutely furious. She she spent the whole weekend sleeping <laughs> with me, and she just you know Audrey from time to time has has watched other people's dogs, so Maggie's convinced that this is a that this is this is you know. A, a, we're just watching it's her for a while. Temporary visitor. And I'll open up my eyes one of these days and she'll be gone. <laughs> she refused even to acknowledge her. It's like, oh God. And the puppy, of course, wants to play. And it's just, the dynamic is a riot. It's just a riot. And, uh, but I'd say she's, she, in 48 hours, she wormed her way in about as good as anybody could. So that's good. She's a cute little thing. Well, that's good. 
If it's just like, well, they are, they are, they are energy though. I'll say that for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, I'm sure everything will work. I mean, if, if there is such a thing as a reincarnation, I think you want to come back as Audrey's dog. <laughs> I mean, there isn't anything on earth to get treated. I'll put that on the list. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's just, every time I see these, these, these dogs on TV, they're being abused. And I think of one of Audrey's dogs, I mean, every one of those guys would just love to pile over there. But, uh, anywho. But all, all is well in dogdom. Um, however, not so well in the, in the market dome here. We're, uh, kind of getting our butt kicked this morning here a little bit. Did you, uh, did you have a chance to check that thing out that I, I sent you last night? The, uh, oh, uh, just, I want to touch on this just a little bit, Brendan. I, I think that you have, uh, you know, it's not, I mean, you're, you're very aware of stuff, so it's not like you're, you're, you're oblivious. Absolutely not. Um, this, this COVID thing is, has got me to the point where I just, is, is everybody a larcenous bastard for God's sake? I mean, my, uh, the funeral I went to last week, I don't have a chance to tell you about it, but was, the guy was in one of the hospitals on the south side and he, you know, he's, he's going downhill, right? So, of course, the hospital is now a, a, a bastion of COVID. And the lady who's visiting the gentleman, and, of course, the, the mother, his wife, breaks her hip while he's in there. So now she's in the hospital as well, like, in, you know, like basically down the hall, right? Well, they diagnose him with COVID, but they don't want to let him out for the last couple of days for hospice because they must want the, the Medicare bonus, right? You know, this this, this is starting to... Really aggravate the hell out of me, and there's nothing I can do about it. And so, but and the lady's visiting both. She goes, "There's no, there's no separation between people that have COVID and don't." The nurses are going from place to place. So, the mother goes to some rehab facility, which I guess is pretty nice near near where they live. Lady gets a call at one in the morning. Mother, who's a, totally asymptomatic, tests positive for COVID. They move her someplace without even permission. At one in the morning, to some. COVID-friendly rehab facility. Way the hell away from where, where the lady lives. So she goes out there, and the place is basically kind of a rat hole. And they said, well, we're not going to let her out for 10 days. He goes, well, the CDC is five days, plus how do you even know she has no symptoms at all? Um, oh, no, we can't let her out at five days. That's not our rule. So they basically kidnap somebody because the only way you get any money on this, now they could easily bring her home because they have a, they have a, the person was living there anyway taking care of the dad um but they but then your your medicare won't pay for rehab at home they only pay for it in one of these facilities now who, who passes that law brendan i mean i th- this when you when you if somebody were to just take some time and tell both sides hey left right shut the bleep up for about six months will you we got some studies to do and we'll all be surprised and we dug into some of this stuff. Brandon, it's brutal what's going on. The larceny, I mean, is it stealing from the government a national sport now or what? Or was it always or is it well, getting worse? I, I agree with you that we need to take some time to to get the information identified and, and studied. I think a big part of what we're dealing with right now is that things are moving too quickly and there's not enough information, even comparing what happened at the beginning of the COVID crisis back in March of 2020. Um, so we didn't know. The, the scientists said they didn't know it would take a little bit of time, and they were able to respond. I think especially with Omicron coming up right now, it's moving so quickly that there hasn't been enough time to do any true studies in comparison. And there's a lot of confusion 
with a lot of different standards all over from the federal government to the state government to the city government, uh, city governments, and also uh, within private facilities. So yes, I agree with you. We just need to pause and get some more information without thinking that we have to have the answers or that we do have the answers with incomplete information. That, I think, is a, a big thing. Well, um, I'm, not, uh, I, I'm not really talking about the the disease, all right? That's, that's kind of a... We can talk about that for a while, and, and I think that's going to the direction here, which is, I don't be listening to the show on Friday, but, man, Carl and the guys that are, are, are tracing the origin of all this stuff, it's pretty scary. I mean, I don't know if you've been reading the stuff, mm-hmm. we've been, but I'm, that's not kind of where I was going. But the, this idea of these bills that have been passed and the lobbyists that somehow have pumped money into these bills and who gets paid what and where and these bonuses and all this money flying around, the core, the core, the choreography between somehow getting this crap in the bills, and people knowing about it, and and just and just making massive amounts of money on these things, I don't know. I don't know if this country ever comes back from this. I honestly don't. I mean, mm-hmm. so many people have so much cash coming from the government out of this stuff, and and every price. I went out to uh, buy a, a timer switch. You know, you install on the wall instead of a switch like an outside lights or something. It was thirty four mm-hmm. bucks. I'm going to say. The first one I bought because I kind of liked the brand maybe three years ago. I, I don't think it was twenty. I think it was nineteen. I mean, I, I think this, this the prices are just being jacked up like there's no tomorrow by anybody who can. And uh, and the fact is, an awful lot of people who control, you know, a lot of people have got the money to pay. It's and so and, and when I say a lot of people, probably ten twenty percent of the population. You go down the list of people in Illinois that got all this PPP money. And uh, and you look at some of those and you say, really? I mean, it's not it's not like anybody who who actually did have to pay employees that didn't do anything. Uh, the intent of the bill was to make them keep employees, right? The idea you keep paying them, so right. they have to pay. So I don't really have any problem with that. But the idea that it some people who had uh, who were forced to close didn't get squat. Some people who managed to stay open and do better than they ever did before because they the thing was written in such a way where they could qualify, ended up getting massive bonuses, Brendan. I mean, it's, I mean, there, you know, there's 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 waste haulers that didn't miss a day of work, uh, getting massive amounts of dough. There's there's law firms getting massive. Amounts. I mean, it's it's and, and the weird part is the checks that we got, we got the uh, the population, the people, as they say, the. Uh, what 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 they the, the people got and the and the PPP stuff in the employee retention credit was only like what twenty five thirty percent of all the money. So mm-hmm. I mean the, the amount of money these other people got. I mean, does anybody got is there any accounting for this? I mean, it's just, I mean, well, the accounting was the accounting was really lax, and the audits have not come in. I haven't seen the uh, reports on the audit yet. But yes, that was that's a travesty. There were too many companies and uh, industries. Like you said, a lot of big law firms got a significant amount of PPP money, and um, and I thought it, it was horrific. And some of them have been brought to bear, and some large companies that that should not have got it, in my opinion, got a lot of got a lot of money to the detriment of the smaller and the mid-sized companies. I agree with you completely on that. That that, that was not uh, doled out in a very equitable way, according to what the initial plan was going to be. Well, I was that, uh, that was criminal. I think that. That should have, if it wasn't a crime in the way it was delivered, it should have been. Well, can you think of any 
I mean, I'm sure our 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 two, you know, as long as money is going to people, I, I don't think our people care. I bet every one of our representatives and senators here voted for this stuff. Can anybody think for a second why uh, essential businesses, meaning uh, <coughs> banks and uh, brokerage firms and people like that, essential businesses? Uh, did not have a re- have a revenue test, okay. Even if they were forced to partially shut down or shut down, but non-essential businesses do not. Can anybody mm-hmm. think of why would anybody vote for that? And uh, I, yeah, I, I can think of a reason for it because of who the lobbyists are. <laughs> well, you know, is I don't you know I don't usually. I mean, obviously, this is more in your bailiwick than mine. Um, this is the first time ever I, I read a, a big chunk of a bill. As to who was qualified and who wasn't, and of the examples, well, then, then you read on these different websites, uh, you know, Q and As and so forth. Is it is it just me? I mean, or am I just getting? And finally, my, you know, how many years I'm around? <clears throat> how could the? I read maybe one page of it, Brendan, and I'm going, oh my god, this was written by a restaurant lobbyist. It had to be. Mm-hmm. The uh, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, which is probably most, if you if you have a bank brokerage firm, uh, I guess doctor's office, whatever happens to be an essential service, and say you were shut down for two weeks or partially shut down or whatever that even means, um, if, if if you needed that plus you need if you had eighty percent of the revenue of your of the year before, you didn't qualify. All right, so. We're not talking about profits. We're talking about revenue. So in most mm-hmm. most firms, if you're down twenty percent revenue, and you're still paying all your people, uh, unless you're Microsoft or have a government contract or you're Apple with some kind of a monopoly or a drug company, how many firms have a twenty percent uh, twenty twenty percent uh, margin, Brennan? Do, do people write and say, mm-hmm. "Do you think our or you think our bumps that are in office even know that how how much of a if you take twenty percent revenue, if you take twenty percent revenue off a a food store, anything like that, do you think for a second they're making any money? No, they're not. They they can't. No way. In most industries, you're right. Most industries can't say that they're making that kind of a profit. I agree completely with you, and that's one of the, the detrimental things about the lobbyist um, uh, what lobbyists are doing right now, and and not only at the federal government level, but at the state and the local level as well. When you get lobbyists in a bill, and it's you know just subtle changes, but enough that you can tell that somebody with this interest or that interest had a hand in presenting something to the bill. In fact, the way lobbyists work, they will often draft legislation and hand it to uh, a representative or a, a congressman or a senator or a state representative or uh, a congressman to introduce the bill as written by the restaurant industry or the securities industry or the legal industry or something. And you can tell by the carve-outs and the way the language is worded that it was written by a lobbyist. It wasn't written by uh, by a congressional staff member. Um, and and that uh, that is really egregious, and uh, it happens all the time. And that's very unfortunate. And I think um, that's one of the things that should be blocked, and that's where there really should be some kind of ethical constraints Imposed on uh, and restrictions on lobbyists for what they can and can't do. Well, the, uh, the I mean, example is that a lot of those lobbyists are people who are formerly in the government because they know who to go to to get it passed 
in the, into the system. Um, they, the the interesting part was uh, the example was say so, so for instance I'll, I'll use my our buddies over at Lakeside Bank. Um, you know, I, they have a bunch of locations, but say they didn't. They had the one location in the Board of Trade. Uh, so they had, <clears throat> um, for the Board of Trade is pretty much the riots. So for two, three weeks, we had the bridges up in the morning, right? Because we're downtown. We didn't, and, uh, mm-hmm. if, I, if I didn't know that the bridge by the post office, uh, was going to, uh, was going to be open because the post office is there. I couldn't have got to work to do the show, right? So, um, so to say we weren't shut down, partially shut down, is insane. Now, Lakeside Bank had one teller, one person sitting there in a security guard for probably a year. Now, I'm going to guess that the uh, there are other branches and stuff that they probably were able to make at least 80% of their revenue, I mean, because people could go to the other branches and so forth. But... I would guess that the people at Lakeside, um, I know most of them are pretty good people. I'll bet they either transferred the people here to one of the other places or continued to pay them. Now, they're essential business, so if that happened, they don't get a dime. Now, in this bill, Brendan, it goes, and one of the examples was if you own a, a restaurant with a 100 tables and you have a five-person bar and you could spread the tables out a little bit for the six-foot but you had to close the bar, but your outdoor capacity tripled to where you had your best year ever, you still qualify. This is one of the examples. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, 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 did, how would anybody ever say that a non-essential business has, gets more money than the essential business? Or has less qualification? I mean, in Congress, too, but just, just I mean, it's the same theory with the essential workers, that in this context, in many ways, essential also means expendable. That the people who are uh, essential workers were not the high-paying, high-paid people. It were the delivery people, the bank tellers, and things like that who were deemed essential workers, yet also the most highly at risk for the spread of, of COVID over the last couple of years because of their job and their interactions with folks. So it, it, to your point, it doesn't make sense. It was drafted in a way and, and, um, and passed in a way to give Special benefits to certain people in certain industries. Um, I, I guess you know, the, 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 how do you get to uh, how do you get to the point where you think that that you actually would hire somebody to do that? I mean, I I would never even dream of, of of spending money on a lobbyist to say, out of all the industries in the world, let's 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 make sure no matter what they do, no matter how bad they screw up, we always give money to brokerage firms. <laughs> I, mean, I would, I would never. I just want it. Oh, I, I just want it fair. Let's keep it fair. I'm like Rodney, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah. It, 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 you know, other people seem to think that boy, this, this is as soon as these idiots start doing anything in Washington, this is my chance to like get a check I don't deserve. What, it, I mean, I, I don't see how we. I mean, there's always been corruption, right? And there's corruption in every country, and ours is probably less than Russia and a few other places. But uh, the uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get how the the whole thing works, but hey, Brennan, are you uh, are you are you hang- are you uh, doing anything for the next half hour? Um, yeah, uh, I can be. Well, we got we got Joe, Joe call. I've got to, I've got to take another call at seven o'clock, but uh, I can stick around for a few minutes. Yeah. Well, we got a uh, we have Joe calling in, but uh, Kenny is uh, indisposed. So can you uh, call back in like fifteen minutes for half for fifteen minutes? Sure. 
All right, so what, I want to talk to you about that uh, the thing I sent you regarding, because uh, I would love your opinion, and I would love Eliani's opinion, because, I mean, uh, Jeff, I'm sure, will have something about the, uh, the article I sent you. What's the guy's name? Uh, the guy runs one company, uh, says he doesn't care about the, doesn't care, he doesn't think about the stuff in China. Um, mm-hmm. we'll I'll, t- I'll take a look at that. I didn't read it yet. I'll take a look at that. And also, we can talk for a few minutes about Les Robson. Yeah, oh yeah. And hey, uh, what a... Uh, what did you? I couldn't believe none of these games were any good this weekend, except the one with Dallas and uh, San Fran. Boy, everybody else just got. I, I, I thought the Pittsburgh one was a was a, a mismatch, but I didn't think the other ones were. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was kind of surprised. No, I. I, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I didn't watch very many of the games because I was um, involved with my uh, with my grandson for the weekend. Um, I saw part of the Cincinnati game. But uh, the others, I didn't see very much of, or really nothing of any of the other games. So I just what I read about them. Well, New England, and, get, New England the controversy in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I watched just about the whole game except for that one little piece. You're gonna have to explain that to me. Uh, what, what happened with that? I watched the only part of the game I didn't watch because I'd watched all the rest of it. I watched. I sat through. I was all fired up for the the Patriots. And God, what a what an egg they laid! Is 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 Buffalo that good? Uh, yes, <laughs> they are that good. Uh, and that's that's why both their GM or one of the G, one of the Bears GM candidates is the uh, offensive coordinator for the Bills and the assistant GM for the Bills. Are you uh, are you on the list? Uh, no, I was told I was told that I'm in the second tier, so that once they get through this first tier, if everybody uh, say uh, no to or says no to them, they'll look me up. Oh God! So so. That's a- as we just down 44, 45, we come back just a little. As if he was down 242, but so far, whack, whack. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands. But you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. He's Eliani on the board. S&P Futures down 49. Uh, and these guys were flat last night. Maybe a little bit off, and uh, not now. As their futures down 253. We're uh we're heading south here in the last week or so and it, it was not it's not it was not good. Dow futures down two sixty one. Individual stocks the one, big one down is uh Goldman Sachs kind of missed on earnings uh, and they are down uh, nine ninety three. But the stock's three seventy one, so it's not a massive move. We've got uh, Home Depot down two bucks. We've got J P Morgan down a buck twenty. Microsoft down five eighty three. Microsoft's down from let's see we, we check this high. This has been a, a Kind of a steady move down in Microsoft here. And I've got these guys at, at a high of 340. I get my little chart here on the right day. I have a steady hand. There we go. A high of uh, 349.67 and 11.22. And now it's trading uh, 304. That's a reasonable move. Uh, it's uh, 12% or so. And uh, Essentially five weeks, six weeks uh, from the from the top. Uh, probably not so good if you're a Microsoft shareholder. Um, but like I said, we've uh, some of these stocks have taken pretty big hits. And see, so over in Asia, we've got the uh, uh, Nikkei down seventy six point three percent, Shanghai up twenty eight point eight percent, Hang Seng down one hundred five point three percent. Not you know not a big move there. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down one sixty seven. That's a full one percent. FTSE down forty two. It's 0.6%, and the CAC round down 70. That's a full 1% as well. Just a way of review on Friday. Obviously, no trading yesterday. Dow was down 200, but the S&P and the NASDAQ in the last half hour raced up and erased their losses. I guess you, traditionally you would say that was short covering at the end of a down week. The S&P was up 3, NASDAQ up 86. Uh, bonds today, U.S. is over 180, 1.82. The bond, wow, minus 0.02 trying to make its way back to to zero and getting pretty close. Japan positive 0.15, it's unchanged. Oil up a dollar eight to eighty four ninety. Rent up seventy six cents, eighty seven twenty four. Natural gas unchanged at four twenty six. 
Our bob up two cents at two forty four. We got gold down two ninety eighteen thirteen. Silver up three cents twenty two ninety five. Copper down one cent four forty. A gold is fighting the battle here between the interest rates go up. Or obviously, gold does not pay interest as does by a dividend. So, the, so the trick bag is that that uh, gold wants to go down if interest rates go up. Yet when gold had record highs in the eighties, it's when gold, interest rates were the highest. So um, that's kind of a you know you got to be careful about that that one. Uh, Bitcoin down three eighty six to forty one thousand seven seventy two. And uh, Aliani, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports, a lot of sports. Yeah, we have a lot of sports going on. Um, so good morning, everyone. And currently 6.37 a.m. It is currently January 18th. Good morning, everyone. In sports, let's talk about it. Uh, Bulls lost to Grizzlies uh, last night, 106 to 119. And the Phoenix Suns beat the Spurs last night. Massive win, 121 to 107. In hockey, the Hawks lost to Kraken, 2 to 3. And the Coyotes beat Canadians, 5 to 2, which is a huge win. Moving on over to college basketball, U of I loses to Purdue 88-96, and Arizona State beats Utah 64-62. In weather, let's take a look at what's going on in Chicago today. It's a pretty chilly day today. Currently 25 degrees with a high of 42, low of 22. It's going to be pretty cloudy for most of the day. And in Phoenix, they are doing much better than we are. Still a bit of a cloudy day, but currently 53 with a high of 68 and a low of 48. In traffic, we have our usual slowdowns on I-94 between Irving and 35th. Don't expect that to go away anytime soon. Same thing with 294 between the I-90 East Ramp and the US-20 East Exit. There's currently an accident on Route 20 at Bluff City Boulevard and Shales Parkway. Another accident on I-90 West at Belmont. And one more accident on 294 at the I-55 North Exit. So please make sure to drive safely today, everyone. And uh, back to you, Chief. Uh, I was waiting for Joel to call in, but uh, no sign of him. <laughs> well, maybe Brendan will call back. In the meantime, um, I, we should have sent this to you, uh, but I have a, a, a question for you because we're probably going to talk about it with the other guys, but I'll get your opinion first. Sure. Um, this guy, uh, billionaire Chameth, what around? God bless. I can't even come close to this one. P-A-L-I-H-A-P-I-T-I-Y-A. Uh, all I heard was blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, uh, anyway, he's the, uh, billionaire investor, Chamath Palahapatia, said during a recent podcast episode that nobody cares about the ongoing human rights abuses against the Uyghurs in China. Okay. Um, before, uh, you, uh, made your appearance on the show, before Eliani, we actually had a guest of one of the, uh, Igers was on the show talking about the uh, Chinese essentially enslaving uh, the group over there, and uh, yeah, and uh, I'm sure you know some about this. Yeah, they amended their, uh, their their constitution over there, so it's gotten pretty pretty aggressive over there. Um, how would you like to have like a couple of kids, and all of a sudden your husband gets yanked away, and a Chinese dude shows up and says, uh, "By the way, this is uh, your new husband." That would be kind of a rough day, don't you think? Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, what's happening over there is atrocious. Um, it's one of those things where, like, I, I'm, I'm constantly reminded that as difficult as things can be here in the United States, that we are incredibly blessed. Um, but it's just, it's traumatizing. I can't, I can't imagine having to live under a regime like that. It's something I have no, no measure in my head of what that's like. Well, I think the, one of the things, and I, I I love that, that analysis of yours. It shows that you, uh, I already kind of knew that you've even known to read a book, put out pictures once in a while, <laughs> which is, which is nice. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that 
one of the things that isn't isn't there for exactly how unique in the his, in all the history of mankind is to actually having a middle class. Yeah, it's one of those things that is it it is disappearing. You know, in other nations, it happened more more. I guess at a at a more rapid pace, like you know, say like in the Middle East and in China, the the gap between the middle class and the rich is it hardly it just hardly exists, and that's usually due to the population that they have of the people. That's just that's an institution that can't support the population that it has. But in the United States, you see that gap getting bigger and bigger, especially as we advance in technology. And you know, uh, the older generation are actually having a harder time with this than probably it has in a while, and probably since the Depression. Because if you can't keep up with the technology that we're going into, then the, uh, the capacity for you to have a job even um, is really hard because you have to compete with the younger generation who grew up with the technology that you know the elder generation are just coming to terms with now. So well, it comes down to it comes down to it's not like people don't people for for a long period of time this this idea of exporting labor and everything. I mean, we can we can talk about this this topic sort of forever. <laughs> it, it essentially dropped the the. Uh, there's all kinds of I mean economics. There's ev- everything and everything in in, uh, in the world basically piles into economics, and you can and you can you can uh, unfortunately probably yeah. Uh, but the, the when you when you have a, a, a drain of labor going other places, and you essentially take your the the, the power off the the supply of labor because you got other people you can spin it out to. It's uh, it makes it very difficult. So you you go long periods of time without people getting paid essentially what what they're worth, right? And uh, and when you do that, you end up totally behind the curve. And yeah. You, and you're and you're starting to see that you're seeing that now, and you're seeing a little bit of catch up, just a little bit. But yeah. the but the 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 angst on the part of the people. I mean, when I when I work for Pullman, a person in the in the plant. If he worked a little bit overtime or something, or even people certainly in the economic, in the, in the uh, they, he could make, you know, 18, 20 grand, and the chairman of the company made 250. Right. You know, so it was, you know, 10, 11, 12 times more. Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's and now insane. It's, and now, now the, the people in the plant are making, you know, 40. Now their benefits are more and that kind of stuff. I get that part. Yeah. But, but entry level workers are making, you know, 40 maybe. Yeah. Uh, and a chairman of, of any kind of a company with a board that he puts together himself is making, you know, whatever, five mil or yeah. three mil. Actually, we can also get Brendan's, uh, com- you know, ideas on this too. He actually just called back okay. in. Okay. Uh, Brendan, you're back, bud. Uh, I'm uh, back. I was, uh, this, this article I was talking about, I opened up the conversation with Eliani. This. Hello. Anyway, bi- bi- billionaire investor, this Chamath, I refuse to say his last name again, was saying that he said during a recent podcast episode that nobody cares about the ongoing human rights abuses against the Uyghurs in China. The abuse of Uyghurs and members of other Muslim minorities in the region has been described as widespread, state-sponsored forced labor and mass detention. Uh, Paula, something-something, went on to say that he cared about supply chain issues, climate change, America's crippled health care system, as well as the potential economic fallout of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. All things that it, I care about, it is below my line, he says. And Now, there's another article today about... Uh, the, the the gentleman from uh, uh, BlackRock, Larry Fink, it's, and he's talking about capitalism, blah blah blah, and how uh, his comment was that the uh, uh, is well, I'll get this, I'll get, I'll dig it out of here. He's basically talking about uh, 
It is public support for investing according to our environmental, social, and government standards has drawn criticism from all sides. Some conservative groups and lawmakers, uh, blah, blah. In other words, he's funneling money to China and other places, and he's convinced that, uh, that that's a very, by the way, that's a very Milton Friedman-ish idea, for those of you, and I don't expect Eliane to know this, but that's what got Milton Friedman essentially in trouble at the University of Chicago, because he did some consulting for, was it Eliende in Chile, Brendan? Uh, uh, yeah, I think it was Eliende. And uh, so, and he was, you know, basically a brutal dictator, and... uh so, but Milton Friedman's view, and obviously it's shared somewhat here by Larry Fink at BlackRock, and I'm not saying that, you know, that it's wrong in theory, but his view was if you could introduce some economic freedom into essentially a totalitarian system, that the economic freedom, if allowed to move forward, would essentially overtake the political system at some point, and you would gain political freedom. And that's, that's the theory. In other words, if, if you can make capital move back and forth between China and the U.S. and everybody gets along and, and does better economically, that somehow the Chinese government will forget about messing with the Muslims and blah blah blah. And I'm going to say, as much as I, I think that's a crock. As, <laughs> as much not, as I'm a, that's as you, not practical or uh, never going to work. As, as much as I'm a probably the biggest Milton Friedman fan left on earth, I'm going to say, Uncle Milty, you're wrong on that one. These guys are stronger mm-hmm. than you think. Uh, but he honestly believed That's that. Right. I mean, uh, and I, you know, maybe, maybe back in his time, it looked like it could actually work out that way. Cause, uh, I'm sure he felt that the, uh, um, you know, the economic freedom in the U.S. was part and partial of the political freedom. I don't know how you could say which came first, but, uh, what's, so what's your, what, what exactly, if you were, you know, if, if you're, if you're me and you're managing money for people, uh, and you see some hot Chinese company come by. Um, do I have an obligation if I'm if I'm managing your money to throw it in there and just hold my nose, or do I have an or do I have an obligation to say I'm not putting anybody's money over there? I mean, or or does it matter if it's a good deal? I just I just should do it if I if I can get a factory over there and save forty cents. Am I obligated to do it under this profit is my only guide? Well, how do you feel about that, Brendan? Yeah. I, I think that you've got to do what the, the client tells you to do, regardless of your own position on that. However, I think that the client's position should be not to invest in companies like that. But, I mean, the same theory goes even for somebody like Nike, who's paying you know, child labor three cents an hour to manufacture shoes and they turn around and sell for 180 bucks. Uh, it's the same kind of a thing. But... You know, when you're, when you're looking at the conditions, the working conditions or the, the social conditions in a place like China or some other country, uh, I, I do think there's a, a moral obligation not to support that kind of a system, uh, especially as the comment that I heard when you were talking about the ec- uh, economic disparity between the C-suite members and the, the line workers of companies in America or overseas production. Um, and, and I, you know, I've looked at some of the studies of you know, comparing economic disparity between the, the C-suite and the frontline workers in places like Japan, but also in, in our country back in the 50s and 60s compared to what they are now. And it's a horrific change. And I think that that has a lot to do with the uh, uh, political dynamics in our country as well as other countries when you've got that kind of disparity. So I think that you do, there is a moral obligation not to support that to the extent you can. 
Well, what time? I, I had my, for years and years, it was the tobacco companies. But I, I had my cover there because there were so many lawsuits involved. I could just say to a client, well, you know, I can't in any kind of conscience put your money in a, in a company that I know has, you know, 50 lawsuits or, or 500 lawsuits. And all of a sudden, one day, uh, you know, th- these guys are going to actually lose one. And, uh, and, you know, and you're going to say to me rightly, out of all, out of all the companies you could have put my money in, why did you put it in one that had 48 lawsuits? Uh, but I don't really have mm-hmm. a cover like that for Nike. That's true. I know. And you had that cover potentially with Big Pharma when you look at some of the suits for the opioid makers, uh, that, that, you know, there's a reason for that. It's a lot tougher to explain that to somebody for a Nike or another shoe or a clothing manufacturer. Um, I, I totally understand that. And if you're looking just at the return on the investment, and it, it, it's a much tougher decision by saying, you know, two cents an hour over there is a lot different than three cents an hour in America. Uh, now he's below minimum wage, but it's a subsistence level in places like, uh, you know, certain parts of, of Southeast Asia or China. And so it's, you can't really compare it in that way. So invest my money there. Um, the, you know, that, that's true to a certain extent. And I agree with you that it's very difficult to make the same kind of an argument for uh, a Nike or a, a clothing manufacturer or industrial manufacturer that's using, you know, Apple for Apple watches uh, or Apple computers, same kind of a thing. You know, what's the disparity? That's a lot tougher argument to make on a moral basis than something like uh, opioids or a big pharma or tobacco. Well, you won't find me ever buying an Apple product. It doesn't mean I won't invite. I won't put clients in Apple, but I just I personally won't won't buy one. But what? But what? I mean, this, but I mean, this gentleman, Chamayan, I'll call him that. I mean, there. What? What do you do? This, by the way, this article is by Amanda Macias. Uh, Very nice article. Uh, I've read some of her stuff before. She does a nice job. What? Um, wh- where should it be in, in your pantheon of thought? I mean, you can't change it. You, you're not going to elect somebody who's going to, you know, he's not going to win if he says first thing I'm going to do is is ban Nike shoes. Uh, well, we're, we're, I mean, it's not I mean, you know thinking about it's, it's like people ran and raving about climate change. What exactly can you do about it? I don't think, you know, what can I do about it today? Nothing. I mean, I don't even know. I, I guess we're hurting it a little bit, maybe maybe more than a little bit, but I'm not sure. I go back and look at weather history, and, and temperatures get warmer and colder in this planet all the time, long before we even got here. So I, I can't say it's all our fault. I'm, I'm not, we're surely not helping. That part I get, but. uh I mean, how much? How much of your day can you? I mean, what what can a what can a guy who is producing something or has a business to take care of? What exactly can you do on a day to day basis about the Chinese government doing their stuff? I mean, I, I I'm going to minimize the stuff I buy from there. I'm going to do whatever I can. But what really can I do? <clears throat> um, that's a, that is a, a tough question to answer because individually, there's not much any one of us can do. If, if I decide. And in our example, not to buy a pair of Nike shoes, that alone is not going to do it. Uh, but if every American would decide not to buy Nike shoes, then that's going to put a debt. Uh, a bigger debt would be if everybody around the world wouldn't buy Nike shoes until this is corrected. It's a tough answer. So, you know, that again gets into the moral dilemma that you posted. Um, what is the purpose of you as, uh, as a money manager or me as an investor? Again, is it to get the most money out of my investment, or is it to find 
companies that are in the green industry and supporting uh, climate change uh, incentives or to avoid uh, the, the child labor situations around the world. Uh, and it takes a mass appeal in order for it to, to gain any kind of traction. Individually, there's virtually nothing that any of us can do because um, we, we alone, as an individual, can't change anything, and the change will be so insignificant that it's not worth it uh, until it becomes a mass movement to grow and grow. Well, my, what is the, the uh, I keep, I was having a discussion with my nephew, somehow I was involved in this, and uh, this whole idea of, of this electric cars. And, 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 mm-hmm. and if, I, if I have one more person who, who rants at me about electric cars versus using gas that doesn't know spit about how electric power in this country is created, why, how, why do I even talk to that person? I'm just asking. I mean, do you know how much oil is used in the production of electricity? No, why would that make a difference? Well, because if you if you use it 40 miles away and put it over the lines, you're probably better off burning it in your car. Oh, no, my car should be electric. Well, don't, don't you understand that electric doesn't show up? Where do you think it comes from, God? It comes from someplace. Do you have any idea of the degradation over lines? But doesn't it come from flying kites with keys on it? Uh, yeah, Ben Franklin. That was a... Uh, the, uh, I mean, I said, do you, do you have any idea that the reason why people have gas furnaces is it's much more efficient to burn the cash in the furnace than it is to burn the gas in a power plant 100 miles away and send it over water? Oh, really? How'd you figure that out? Well, I didn't figure it out. People have known that for 100 years. Forgot. What's the matter with you? But I mean, it's, it's, it's astounding to me how people make these arguments. Now, if you were going to have a, uh, a situation that says in the next 30 years, we're going to become much more electric because in the next thirty years we're going to have do something with hydrogen. By the way, we're going to we're going to up our nuclear from eight to twenty percent. We're going to do as much as of uh, uh, recoverable as we can, and uh, as as we go along with it, would it make sense for for people to use more electricity in cars as that whole industry gets revamped, which is going to take a generation? I'm all for it. But this idea tomorrow that you're you're a bad guy because you use gas in your car and not electric, wait a minute, I, I I could be using less gas than you are. You don't even know it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just, just saying. I mean, I, you know, I'm not ranting here. I'm just saying. You know, but I mean, there's always so much energy you can put in a lot of this stuff, Brennan. And I, it seems like we 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 can't stay focused. Then let's just make sure every every day everything's a little better than the day before in virtually every area. That that to me would be my goal. I mean, it doesn't seem to be anybody else. I agree. I, I agree that, that it has to be incremental, and it has to be a, across the board. And those small steps combined will make uh, bigger solutions, whether it's dealing with the Uyghurs in China and their condition or child labor in Southeast Asia or electric vehicles, uh, the green of America, the green of the world. I agree with you completely that it's, it takes a mass effort along a lot of different fronts and small incremental challenges rather than bursting the problem. It is interesting, though, in the car industry, that if you were to go back to the early 1900s, there were electric vehicles at that time. The gas-powered industry uh, in GM and Ford, for example, were the ones that really uh, moved in the way of fossil fuels and gas for the cars instead of electric or even solar energy. Uh, there were experiments at that time, and there were experiments in the, in the 70s and 80s in America for solar-powered energy that went nowhere because those were crushed by... Uh, 
by the auto industry. Now the auto industry seems to be getting on the uh, electric vehicle bandwagon, but it's uh, a question of whether it's too little, too late, or what else is involved in making the transformation. Well, the auto industry was what caused GM in particular, is what caused all the streetcar tracks to be tor- torn up in L.A. L.A. LA had the best right. streetcar system in the country, and it was torn up because GM said, Bush yep, the car, yep. And, and they're, they're way more efficient than uh, than buses. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, uh, whatever. It's just, yeah. I mean, strange. But what there, used to be, there, there used to be electric buses here in Chicago, too. I remember the wires with the, the little uh, poles from the bottom of the, from the top of the buses into the wires on certain streets in Chicago. The uh, I, I don't I don't really remember I don't I don't imagine you're ancient enough to remember a streetcar though. Uh, um, well, I mean I've ridden streetcars in San Francisco, but uh, I do remember the buses here. I can't tell you I remember riding on a streetcar in Chicago. I, I think it might have been before my time. I think I remember real young, like hopping on one, but I, I do remember the electric uh, electric buses. Uh, they were in Kedzie, they were in Chicago Avenue, there were a bunch of streets that had them. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, that was always interesting. It was always interesting watching the buses turn with those poles on the wires because sometimes they would, uh, hit one of the, the junction boxes and then, uh. I think we just lost Brennan. What he was about to say, Eliana, is, is they actually have, if you look at the ones in San Francisco, they still have them in San Francisco. Yeah. Because they can go up the hills and the, the other ones can't. Is the, uh, uh, I'm not talking about, about cable cars. That's another whole system. These are these are, like, these are electric car buses. The actually guy has a big wooden stick on the back where he can take the thing and hook it back up on the wire. Yeah. Okay. Which is uh, <laughs> most people wouldn't want to do that the first time until unless somebody told you how to do it because it it's got to be at least 440 in that wire. I'm thinking. It's well, not, actually, I've seen those. They have those. They actually still have those kind of like. Like rail tra- like those like like railway cars that you can like just hop on like with like the wire on top in uh, in Italy. Yeah, they do in uh, there's one in San Francisco on Market Street. That one too, yeah. There's one. I think there's one in New Orleans. Yeah, so I, I have I am familiar with it. <laughs> well, th- those are those are streetcars. Those okay. are on rails. Okay, but there's also electric buses, which maybe you've never if you've never been to San Francisco, you've probably never seen one. No, they're they're actually a regular bus. And on top of the bus uh-huh. is a thing called a pantograph, and it runs up and it hooks onto two wires that run down the middle of the street. Sure. So it's the same thing as a streetcar, although the thing can go from side to side because it's a bus. Right. Now, obviously, you can't make a turn and leave that street because you can't. You got to stay under the wires. Right. But uh, uh, we used to have those here in Chicago. Uh, you know, quite a bit of them, and uh, the uh, uh, you know, so there's there, there's things to do, I and mean, I would love to see a streetcar system back here in Chicago of some kind. Yeah, that would be incredible. And, uh, I mean, I would uh, I would love to help design one. As a matter of fact, uh, we wrote a, a paper at Pullman when I was there about you know if you took some some of the areas because the interesting part about a streetcar since it never leaves the rails, right? You don't you don't need any any sort of room. There's a, have you ever been to Amsterdam? Um, only for a layover, but you know what? We actually have to go to break here. Uh, we're going to have right. uh, Jeff calling in just a moment, so let's go to break and we can keep talking about SP it. SP Futures down 41, NASDAQ Futures down 225. I, can't t- I don't want to talk too much about the market going down, but we will when Jeff comes back. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Hello, I want to face Tyson Jackson. I'm Tom Howell. He's Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 43. Nancy Futures down 232. Thought last night after we were uh, up a little bit that they actually make, make back some of the money we lost last week in the market. But as of now, I don't like it's starting that way. Do we have Jeff? Hey, Chief. Hey, how are you, bud? How was your weekend? Uh, that's so bad. Good morning to you. Yeah, I, uh, I was, uh, you know, listening listening to some of the stuff, uh, um, you know, that we, we do during Martin Luther King uh, Day, and uh, um, you know, watch some of the games and so forth. And everybody had watched Notre Dame played uh, Howard University, which was interesting. Uh, had a lot, yeah, it had a lot of uh, history of Howard University on there and so forth, and it's uh, pretty interesting to see. And I. Uh, I remember from my own, uh, you know, I was young, but uh, I, I went the high school I went to uh, went to Marist. The brothers were in, in an area on the south side of Chicago that maybe was, uh, you know, not the most liberal of the wor- in the world. Uh, the brothers were amazingly positive towards Martin Luther King. So from a very early age, um, I've you know pretty much thought the best of what he was doing. I couldn't get over to the amount of courage that it took to do stuff in those days when people were throwing bricks at you and bricks. I mean, it's not, it's not just, you know, tweeting out something. It was a whole different program. And I, 
you know I, I think the 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 amount of uh you know personal courage it took to do those kinds of things is uh i think that's kind of lost i mean i've never done anything like that but uh, uh i i certainly saw what it, it seemed to take and uh and i don't know if that message gets out much because i mean now well, everybody just tweets it's not it's not lost or at least my experience is it's not lost among um older americans you know black or white uh older americans in their you know age 55 and over truly um remember and respect uh, his legacy and, and even more so and, and I'm, I'm i'm saying this as a result of you know conversations over the last year of of that particularly you know juxtaposed against the um the likes of more more radical energetic and contemporary voices like uh tanishi coates uh the author is really well revered and you know uh but 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 has a very different approach um, you know, there's been a, a, the more recent literature on, on racism has, has a, a very, very different approach. So you're seeing a real age divide between, um, you know, how how racism in America should be approached. And there's this kind of older school MLK camp, and and there's this newer school camp. And boy, they sure don't see the world the same way. Um, but hey, that's. Different strokes and, and for different folks. Well, our friend Lou uh, always <laughs> hits me up with, "Chief, you are you are absolutely not in, in, in the front lines on this anymore. You're looking for equality, and where everybody where everybody's colorblind." He goes, "That's not what people are looking for now." And I go, "Yeah, well, that's still where I'm at. I just I just don't want to judge anybody by their looks or their color, and that's that's the way I was taught." He goes, "No, that's don't be too loud with that one. You're you're way behind the times." And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an irony to that. That's true, but there's also it's you know. Hey, listen, it was a much needed kick in the ass for all of us that you know took several decades, and it's had its impact. And as in any as any trend, uh, you know, or any cultural awakening and awareness, it, it has to kind of settle. So it was a it was a necessary trend and, and, and necessary awareness and. And now it might have hit some of the wall in some areas, and now it's going to come back and hopefully become part of our everyday thinking, as opposed to, you know, being you know, something that uh, something that others feel the need to kind of radically impose on everybody on a regular basis. Well, it's also, I mean, uh, one one thing when somebody, you know, somebody will say something like, "Man, I got I I like got screwed by this." You know, company or something. I go. Don't feel so special. Everybody's getting screwed by that company. I mean, I mean, but I mean, uh, it's. It, I mean, you don't want to. You don't want to say this out loud. Although I'm about to, I, I think economically, anybody who wasn't on the top shelf in the 19th century had about as horrible a deal on a daily basis as anybody could be. I mean, I, you know, obviously. You didn't want to be a slave, for God's sake. You didn't want to be a sharecropper, but you sure as hell didn't want to be a coal miner. You didn't want to be an Irish guy digging a canal, and you didn't want to be where nobody else would hire you. You sure didn't want to be an Asian blowing up tunnels with gunpowder in the Sierra Nevadas. Nobody cared if you lived or died. I mean, it was it was not exactly a good time to be alive. Yeah, it's a compelling argument that classism goes uh, for, you know, the impacts of classism spreads... Uh more pain and suffering than, than than racism alone. Yet at the same point, you can't ignore. No, you can't. It's easier. Right. But it's easier to 
I mean, it, it's harder to hide if you're a different color or if you're. Sure. But it's it's yeah. not like you know uh, you know people weren't a. I mean, you know, it's not like there weren't any ever white people that weren't sla- enslaved. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it, it's one of the things that you know the Democrats are struggling with right now because it creates a divide in their electorate. Um, you know, as as the supposed champions for for people of color, um, they forget that uh, there's a there's a lot of disadvantaged uh, white folks out there who are just you know just trying every day to make things, and and, and they they are angered that they don't have a voice, that they're not being you know recognized. So. And that's something that clearly the this kind of intersectional politics is, you know, has to r- r- wrestle with, and it's you know it's clearly what caught caused uh, you know Hillary's loss by by every means. Yeah, and and and, and Trump's insurgence in, in many ways. Yeah, it's a. Uh, what, what do you think? Um, we've seen this market trying to sneak down here, and we we clearly have seen. I think economically, I don't know if everybody looks at it, but. Uh, a lot of the separation in uh, the classes now. I mean, we, I think, I think for most people that we know, uh, Jeff, uh, except like editors of magazines, which make like millions of dollars and stuff. Oh, wait a minute, no, that's Jeff. Uh, I don't actually. I don't yeah. think. I don't think you do. But I'm saying yeah, the, the idea of of uh, of even people in the middle class being able to make a hundred dollars a week. Live fairly comfortably on eighty and save twenty. That's the way you build wealth. Which is when you and I were young. That's pretty much the way people build build built wealth. And if you happen to invest in the right stock, uh, you know that was nice too. But now, I mean, for whatever reason, the stock market has become, you know, the country's piggy bank. And we talk about the economy. We talk about the stock market. So, what happens? I mean. Uh, Jeff and I, uh, Jeff, you're Jeff. Mike and I last week talked about, uh, Mike predicted, uh, rightfully so, by the way, uh, that dude, the dude knows what he's talking about. I'll, I'll tell you that. I don't know if I'm tell him that, but he talked about how the guy who bought the guy, I think it was a guy, the company, the lady who bought the 90 bazillion, uh, calls in the VIX last November, thinking if the market went down, that this VIX was an adequate hedge. Well, first of all, the guy was off by a few weeks before we started to go down, yeah. but, but secondly, the VIX is still only 21, and he paid, right. you know, three or four bucks for the 20 calls, so he'd still be out. I mean, the idea that we can't reprice in the market just, you know, I'm not saying it's going to, but it, the idea that it can't just fizzle over two, three months and go down 30, 40% without kicking the VIX in the ass is, I mean, why would anybody not think that? I mean, obviously Mike knows that, you know that, I know that, yeah. and that seems like what's happening. We're just now, Going down like almost every week, well, for a couple of weeks, and so many stocks are getting pretty much torched, and uh, from from their old highs. I mean, maybe not torched from where they were a year ago, at least not yet. But uh, what kind of a a malaise is it going to? What, what if we actually get? I mean, we've our government policy has been totally towards keeping asset prices up. What happens if if they fail there? I mean, obviously the the, the current people are blaming the guy's been there a year. And by my estimation, it's inflation has been a 15-year problem on the rise, and we're already blaming him for inflation. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not at all happy about the man's first year, but to blame inflation on him is like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like blaming cholera on me or you. You know, I mean, it's like, what are we doing? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's the American way, though. Yeah, on. oh yeah, it is the American way. But so if all of a sudden, yeah. if the market we, slides, we saw, we saw it with Carter as well, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, everybody says Carter. 
cause the inflation. No, he didn't. <laughs> Nixon caused the inflation, for God's sake. It's where, he start, it's where it started. Uh, but anyway, it, the uh, w- w- what does it do to us politically if we, if this slide keeps continuing? I'm not saying it's going to. I'm not doing anything. I know. I know that. A lot Are you of, talking about the popularity slide or the big slide? Or, well, I mean, right or now... the I've, market slide? The market slide, I have, I, I, as you can probably imagine, I talk to all kinds of people in the different firms that I uh, manage money for, and uh, I tell you what, I've never seen anything like it uh, in terms yeah. of especially some older people that are absolutely convinced that they're entitled to these stocks, you know, these, what's these going... Returns, these huh? returns. These returns, and... Uh, Absolutely, will not lighten up at all on anything. Uh, the, the thought of them selling a winner or a favorite stock—it's just like somebody's job to make the stuff go up every day. And I, I mean, you know, what, what can you say to people? I mean, you, you know, you're going to change them on a phone call, you know. But it, it's guys, <laughs> don't you understand that this has been a total? This is a total anomaly the last few years. This is not. This is not normal. I mean, what do you mean? Well, um, if I were to forecast, and I will, we just yeah. completed our forecasting issue. Anyways, that's available at uh, getluckbox.com. That's why I'm leading into this. Go ahead. Um, but but it, it, aside from that, and there's you know nearly a hundred forecasts that are all you know well documented and articulated in the magazine. But but generally speaking, and not about the magazine, I think there's every reason to expect you know from you know our perspective of. 40 active years of watching markets, right, that uh, this is going to be a rough year for all the reasons we know. We have inflation, the unpredictability of oil prices, geopolitical concerns. We have, you know, a Fed that's clearly going to start hiking rates, and, you know, we see all those things, and not to mention highly inflated markets and, and manias and, and, and a lot of new market participants as well as a result of the pandemic. So, for a host of reasons, it's it's very reasonable to expect the uh, tough market, tough sledding this year, uh, market trading lower. Uh, today, Tom Sosnoff, as you know, he's the uh, co-owner of KC Trade and CEO of KC Trade and a, a longtime options trader just like yourself. He used to trade uh, about same, 10 feet to the right of me in the OEX. Yeah, same pedigree. Today, he, he uh, kind of sent an email out to his uh to his world, basically saying that this this is the year that you would expect active traders to outperform. You know, right? Playing into your strength, for example, chief. You know that that this 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 is exactly the setup that you would expect. I expect that to be the case completely, and then I expect, um, which, by the way, is a, a long time proven history of during election years, anyways, uh, to underperform the prior years on a material basis. And then a material rally in November, and I expect you'll see the Republican sweep in November, and then the markets will rally based on, you know, having new checks and balances. But I think we got tough, tough flooding from now through November. Traders market. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's your turn, Tom. Well, it is, you know, the only problem with that is I, I obviously do, um, and, and this, you know, I guess it's somewhat of a shameless plug, and, but if people, if I, if I protect stuff from people, people still want to be in the market, right? And I protect some things. So if the market drops 50%, you know, which I just hope doesn't, doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm liable to lose, you know, five to eight, which puts us in a great position to buy down there, but still not winning, Jeff. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. a, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna so go overly over the top on protection to where people are necessarily short. Now I am, I am, and one thing I am doing, I'm, I'm trying to stay short these bonds. 
But here, here's here's my question. I, out of out of all the stuff that people, you know, there's a uh, every, everything you do, and I and I, and I sense that you, and uh, I haven't known Eliani that long, but I have a sense you, there, there's a sense of balance in this world, uh, just about everything, right? I mean, uh, the uh, we got the new puppy this weekend, and the balance was the puppy did not want to stay alone, so the puppy's in with us, Jeff. So there's yeah, a sense of, of balance there. The puppy took hey, what, over. What kind of puppy, by the way? Uh, Audrey, I got a, a standard poodle, a little apricot female. I'll get a load of this. Somebody grabbed, somebody went to pick up the puppy first. Somehow made it all the way to Oak Park before they realized it was missing, uh, they thought they had a male, but it was kind of missing a piece, if you know what I mean. And they had to say, hey, this, this isn't a male. <laughs> they bring the poor dog all the way back from Oak Park. So the, she had quite a ride back and forth and already had bonded with some people and then she gets dumped on us and, but it didn't seem to bother her that much. She's, she's pretty happy where she is, I think. Uh, but, uh, that's an interesting business, the dog breeding business. It's, uh, I don't know, I don't know where that, but, uh, no, she's, 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 she's an adorable little thing and, uh, she's already kind of learning. So, I mean, she's pretty smart. So we'll see how this all goes. But, God, what do you think pu- puppy, if you, you forget how much work a puppy is, for God's sake? A lot of work. I know, uh, my, my Samoyed turns 11 today, so, so having a birthday for my own dog. So. Well, Maggie's like 11, and she, 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 let's put it this way, if she could have packed her bag and come home with me, she would have. She there wants no, no part of this at all. Well, when's she going to leave? It's okay for a visit, but get her the hell out of here. Like, and, but, I mean, so, so, Mark, so back to the dog days of the market. Well, right? I'm saying there's a certain balance, and if you listen to, you know, obviously the, the financial press all day that isn't you. You try and straighten some of this out. But when you look at how economics works, just, just, in, just in, uh, in, in, in money, in money borrowing, I mean, these are people that have advanced degrees, Jeff, that are talking. I'm not, I'm not, you know, a lot of them are talking their books, or a lot of them say anything to talk their book, but, right, right, the, uh, the book. Right. uh, so he, he, the idea that, in society, in, in life, there's people that have amassed some sort of wealth, even if it's a little bit. Okay, it's, you, you, simple case. Eliani has a thousand bucks. You know, she's probably more than a thousand bucks, but she puts it in the bank. She, she can't really invest that on her own. Okay, um, but it's worth something to somebody because somebody else, let's say Joe, wants to build. Uh, either a plant or a hot dog stand or whatever it is, and he's got the world's best idea, and he's worth it. He's and he's willing to bust his fanny on the program, just like you guys do on your magazine. Will it take some money? Probably the people that have the best ideas aren't the same people that have all the money. Okay, so so the the idea is somebody contributes their money, they get paid something. It's somebody's job in the middle to find the best ideas, i.e. the bank, for somebody, whether it's a piece of property or whatever. Somebody else needs money. That person pays something. The other person gets something, and the guy in the middle gets paid something competitively. And it has a building and whatever else he needs. And maybe now you don't even need a building. So but there's, there's a balance to this that has been around for, you know, since people have, have been alive. And now all of a sudden we don't have a balance. We have... People don't get paid squat on their money. Some people get money for nothing, or damn near nothing. Big firms that somehow can worm their way in. We have a, a Federal Reserve that somehow decides these people deserve money for, for, for zero. These other people that have money, you're not getting anything for your money, even though we're going to use it for other people and make money on it. This has been totally from day one. Now, for a little, little bit of time, Jeff, I get it. I can take one for the team. But why do educated people think that this is a long-term situation? 
that people who have money don't ever get a dime for other people using their money. And those people can charge other people whatever they damn well please and make a fortune in the middle. How, how is that balanced? Free lunches are very much in vogue, though. That's that's what you're that's what you're not uh, accepting. But forever, huh? Well, forever, they've become they're addictive, right? They've become popular. But I, I and but I, I think you're, you're dead right. I mean, that, there's a uh, a mindset that well, that's what the market does every once in a while. Unfortunately, it hasn't been doing it frequently. Is remind remind everybody how it really works, you know. So it's coming. You know, it, it always comes eventually. Well, right now, the, the time... Longer, I think I said last week when I was with you that the one thing I picked up over the last 20 or 30 years as a active market participant is that trends take longer now. They play out longer. Um, it, 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 it's, it's very, very difficult to call the end of a trend. Um, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. There's more money in play. They take longer to realize. And, you know, if you thought crypto was... Uh, you know, crazy or, or overpriced. It, it keeps on going longer than you expected. We we saw it even with things like, um, you know, GameStop and AMC. Uh, it may not have lasted long as a period of time, but those those companies continue to be way overvalued because of because of the trend. So these these things just take a long, long time. Well, those particular companies, uh, I know the the one, the AMC. Those guys, well, this is going to sound so so crazy, but I think it's actually, you can tell me how how true it is. When the stock ran up as much as it did, and whatever it was, the short selling and the the, the army of ants that went after it, uh, I don't have to say it disparagingly, just an awful lot of people decided they were going to buy it because they were going to chase shorts up or whatever. Didn't the company have a bunch of uh, treasury stock that they were actually able to sell at those higher they prices? Did. So did, yeah. So they actually... They actually became worth something because of it, didn't they? Yes, absolutely. But you know, there's no reason to assume that that was uh, that would be the greatest conspiracy of all time. No, no, no. I'm just saying, twenty one at the two dollar range, and then <laughs> well, up, I, up to just forty six dollars, and then you know, now oh, did it go to ninety or something? Did it go to ninety or something? What's that? Did it go to ninety or something? Uh, no, I think it was a. 40s, I believe. What was the other one that went to 90? There was, there was about five oh. of them that were doing it at the same time. Well, that was GameStop. Okay, it was GameStop. All right, 45. So maybe the stack is now actually worth five instead of two, right? Right. Yeah, no, that, that <laughs> turns out to be pretty uh, handy financing. Oh, okay, oh, yes. What's on the, the edge. Yeah. So what's your, uh, obviously you, you've, you've, you've let a few slip. You're thinking the... Uh, um, which is a question I wanted to ask you, by the way. Why, if everybody's convinced, and I'm w- on board with this, as of now, because you never know how voters are going to vote, that it looks like the, the Republicans are, are going to gain Senate and House seats. I don't know if they, you know, who knows? If, I mean, I'm not predicting anything. But if that's the case, why would the why would the Democrats? And by the way, I've been a Democrat my whole life until recently. I, I, I would predict it, by the way. I, I think that's a comfortable prediction. And the prediction markets, the political prediction markets, like at predicted.org, where you can actually wager, you know, real money legally on political outcomes, outcomes. that market is a relatively smart market, and it, they're certainly predicting it as well. So you'll find well over 50% probability in the trading uh 
in the trading numbers for uh, Republican takeover of the House and Senate in, in, in November based on, you know, the prediction markets right now. Well, is, now, why would the Democrats, if they're seeing the same thing you and I are, uh, why are they trying to change the filibuster rules thinking that 10 months from now they're going to be in the ass end of that, basically? Well, well, they're, you know, they're, they're rudderless ship, right? I mean, they, 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 they clearly realized that was a mistake as to why, you know, Biden had that fiery speech in Atlanta when he knew that it wasn't even going to happen is, is one of, is one of the great political miscalculations. It was read as being divisive by both parties. Um, it, it just kept, you know, what was a miserable week for him. Uh, last week, you know, I, it's hard to imagine a, an administration having a worse week in its first year than what Biden went through last week. You know, losing the Supreme Court cases and and then having the, the pushback on his speech in Atlanta and his, his what was your what was your on the Atlanta speech? What did you think was the was the worst parts of it? The the comparison, well, the the Jim Crow stuff is ridiculous, and you know, anyways, and the Jim Crow too. 2.0 is, is pretty offensive to those who were around for Jim Jim Crow 1.0. Yeah, um, I, you know you're going to be really hard pressed to find anyone, and this 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 is one of the great ironies of this whole voting rights uh, discussion. You're going to you know you'll never hear about the person who couldn't vote. You know more more people voted in the last election than ever before. Um, so it, it's just a really hard case to make. But but that alone, you know, so the foundation was really flimsy. But comparing, um, you know, comparing those who oppose those those measures, which, um, you know, to to basically being segregationist, segregationist and and racist, is, was just really way out of bounds. You talk about something divisive. You know, Trump was clearly a divisive president, uh, and Obama was too. Yeah. We forget how Obama, how divisive he was, because he was trumped by Trump, but. But, but Biden is continuing this trend. It's just amazing that uh, the simple lessons that Bill Clinton learned early on in his career about tri- triangulation. You know, where's Dick Morris when you need him? Some strategists who, I think that's what James Carville is trying to say right now. At least when he was on my podcast uh, about a, over a year ago, he was making the case that, hey, we got to start appealing to the middle a little bit more. And um, that's not what's going on in the Democratic Party right now. Um, we only have, let's talk about something a little different for a couple of minutes. We'll think of something because I want to I want to dig into that. Uh, what you just said, big time, because I've, I've mentioned that to a couple of the other uh, guests as well, Jeff. And the the obviously the political strategy, in my mind, we'll we'll just tee it up and then we'll talk about it after the break. Uh, political strategy has has clearly changed. And I was just talking with uh, Brendan earlier, and actually Eliani about, you know, what has what has essentially happened to the middle class. And and Eliani and I were talking about uh, it's the middle class. If you look back in economic history, I mean, you can define middle class as America between fifty and and nineteen ninety five. I mean, it. I mean, there, there might have been a couple I've missed. You know, where's Milton Friedman's view of history of the world and where I need him, but. There might be a few others. I guess there's some in Britain and some in France and maybe a few places or Germany, but middle class is clearly a massive outlier in human history. I mean, it's it's not something that just naturally occurs. I mean, it's it's very very rare. And there's some people who would think that it was a combination of the war and the GI Bill 
that basically put us there, right? And uh, and I don't know if we want another war again to get us there. But hey, speaking of which, uh, did you? Uh, the, speaking of Martin Luther King Day yesterday, no, I see this transition. Go ahead. No, I'm saying the, the the guy who was the the general for the Tuskegee Airmen died. Was he yesterday or Sunday? Oh, is that right? Uh, hundred hundred and two years old. Wow. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that was interesting, I will mention in honor of the day yesterday, was that the, even though all the African-American soldiers, well, first of all, the GI Bill did not cover any women. Uh, and it might have been, who knows, there might have been one somewhere, I forgot, but it didn't cover any women. And it allegedly covered uh, black people. However, <laughs> you, you, you could have all the free education you wanted, but if nobody let you in the school... And nobody'd sell you a house because there was mortgages in there too in the GI Bill. And that little known fact uh, it didn't do you much good, did it? Mm. But right. the women, the women got zip, 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 zip. Uh, right. Pretty scary. SP features down forty-five. Nasdaq features down two thirty-two. Be back with uh, Jeff. We'll finish up what we're talking about here. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howe. She's Eliani on the board. By the way, did either of you two uh, very, you know, very perceptive people uh, realize that there were spikes in pressure and in uh, shock waves and a spike in air pressure was detected in the area when the volcano blew up in Tonga? Did either one of you guys uh, pick the pick up on that? Actually, no. I did not either. <laughs> I didn't feel it, Eliani. You didn't feel you didn't feel no, I didn't. Uh, wow. So I guess we should have. Uh, we're, not, we're not as perceptive as we think we are. Of course, I'm not so sure we think we are all that perceptive. But SP futures down 43. Nasdaq futures down 220. Uh, evidently, they hit uh, some. Uh, what do they call those things? The, the, the big waves. A bunch of places, but evidently not a whole lot of damage. Uh, Dow futures down 314. Uh, a lot of that is uh, Goldman Sachs down now 15 bucks or 14.94. If they came out with earnings, it's disappointed. We got United Healthcare down 370. We also have Microsoft now coming back a little bit because they're buying uh, Activision, and we're going to have uh, uh, Jeff comment on that a little bit. Uh, when are we going to tell one of these guys just no and getting any bigger? But it'll uh, we'll, be an answer for Jeff in a second. Over in Asia, we've got uh, Nikkei down 76.3%, so not much there. Shanghai up 28.8%, Hang Seng down 105.4%. So obviously they must have closed over there before we headed south because we were... We were flat to slightly up last night, and now not so. Uh, Europe down one fifty. Oh, DAX down one fifty six, full one percent. FTSE down forty point five percent. Cac runs up a little bit. It was a full one percent a while ago, but now it's only down fifty six points point eight percent. So there, we're we're at least seeming to halt the slide over in uh, Europe. And Friday, Dow, Dow remained down two hundred one on the close. S and P was up three. Nasdaq up eighty six as they came flying back the last half hour, and what it looked like a little old fashioned short covering, but. Now this morning we're back south the other way, which is probably not good if you're a technical person. Uh, Ten-year up five basis points now to 1.83. It's highest we've seen it in like a really long time. Two-year high, in fact. A uh, bond minus 0 0.02. Maybe this week we'll get to above zero, which would be really something. It's been really a long, long time. I'm going to say years and years where that's been negative. Uh, Japan uh, unchanged at positive 0 0.15. Oil, uh, rallying a dollar fifty three, that's almost two percent. Eighty five thirty five, Brent up a dollar nine, eighty seven fifty seven. Natural gas up five cents, four thirty. Arab up three cents at two forty five. I guess I should have filled up at three sixteen yesterday. I don't think I'll get it that cheap for a while. Gold now down eleven dollars, eighteen oh five, still hanging above eighteen hundred. Silver down three cents, twenty two eighty eight. Copper down two cents, four forty. We've got Bitcoin down six fifty seven at forty one thousand five zero two. Eliani, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, you guys, good morning. It's currently 7.36 a.m., January 18th. Let's start with sports. The NBA, Bulls lost to Grizzlies la uh, last night, 106-119. to 119. And Phoenix Suns beat Spurs, 121-107. to 107. In hockey, the Blackhawks lost to Kraken, 2-3. Coyotes beat Canadians, 5-2. In college basketball, University of Illinois loses to Purdue 88 to 96, and Arizona State beats Utah 64 to 62. In weather this morning, chilly day in Chicago, currently cloudy at 25 degrees with a high of 41 and a low of 22. In Phoenix, currently 53 degrees, also cloudy today with a high of 68 and a low of 49. 
We have really busy roads in Chicago today. Major accidents on US 20 at Bluff City Boulevard and Shales Parkway. Uh, there was an accident on I-90 West earlier this morning that got cleared up, but that got replaced by an accident on 294 South at the I-55 exit. Another accident on 290 West before the I-88 exit. Another accident at County Line Road on I-55 North. Another accident at I-90 East at Central. And we have slowdowns between two, uh, on 294 between I-90 East Ramp and the two uh, US-20 East Ramp. We have more slowdowns on the 55 North between South Kedzie and US-45 North. Traffic between Wolf and Harlem on 290 East. Traffic 294 between Irving and Roosevelt. And we have some more traffic on 90 East between Cumberland, Cumberland and Lawrence. 94 West traffic between 130th and Garfield. Uh, 57 North between 119th and 94 East. And we have the usual slowdowns from earlier this morning as well on uh, I-94 and 294. So make sure to keep your eyes up on the road, everybody, and be safe driving today. Well, how can you text? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hectic this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, um, before we uh, <laughs> before we get into what we're talking about, Jeff, I got a piece of information. I'm sitting here weekend. Of course, it's three day weekend, and we got all this stuff going with the puppy and everything. And uh, so, of course, um, Audrey decides that the puppy isn't is the breeding isn't quite what she was looking for, right? And uh, a little wavier hair than the, I guess poodles are supposed to be real curly. I, I don't know. What the, the little girl's sitting in my lap, and I said, well, we're not giving her back. <laughs> Maybe she, she's in, right? I mean, I mean, the dog's adorable. But Audrey would never give her back anyway, but I was just giving her grief. But get a load of this. I get this piece of news. And just when you think you've, you've heard it all, Jeff and Eliani, this, this, is, this, this is, could be a new law in human relationships. Okay. Uh, it's a story out of Japan. Are you ready for this, Jeff? Um, this couple has a baby. The baby's fine. Well, then they discover that the husband uh, has some kind of, uh, you know, one of those uh, genital problems uh, where, you know, it could skip a generation. has one of those DNA things where there's some bad disease that runs in the family, right? Yikes. So they luck out with one kid, and they're afraid to go with kid number two. So they decide they're going to, but they want another baby, so they're going to artificially inseminate, right? Or, or get a sperm donor, not artificially inseminate. Which here, uh, as they used to say on the trading floor, meant kind of the turkey baster approach. You basically, you know, did this uh, artificially. Well, evidently in Japan, you don't do that. So they, they pick a guy who allegedly went to the University of Kyoto and uh, is, you know, comes that, from a great family. always have to go to the University of Ky- I, Kyoto? I, I don't, but anyway, they're, they're looking for just the right. They want the smart guy, the good guy. Well, he has sex with the wife like ten times, the, the regular Jesus. way, <laughs> before she gets pregnant. <laughs> I'm sitting there reading this. This can't be right. Well, then she ends up having the baby, and there's nothing wrong with the baby. Well, it turns out the guy is not Japanese. He's Chinese. And he, by the way, he didn't go to Kyoto. So she kicks the baby back. Like, I, would, I wouldn't give a puppy back, let alone a baby. She kicks the, the baby to, to, like, you know, an adoption agency and is suing the guy for $2.8 million. Not 2.5 or 3.5, but 2.8. How you arrive at that number, I have no idea. Now she's suing the guy and doesn't want the baby. I'm sitting there going, I, I you know, what? I, I, I can't believe this. Any part of it, <laughs> but in its entirety, how do you kick the poor baby back? What would the baby do? I, you know, I just. Well, that, that's one of many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I wait a minute. You you get a sperm donor, but the guy gets to come over every night for a week. <laughs> I 
Yeah, that's, that's not insane. really artificial insemination, is it? No, no, it's, but it is a sperm donor, I guess. It is. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's not, I'm like, God, how can anybody, anyway, just, just a little light in your day, Jeff, but hey, to get back to our, uh, that must account for the admission surge over at, uh, University of Kyoto. <laughs> Evidently. Well, what if, I don't know, I mean, uh, I'm not so sure, sh- well, whatever. The idea of, on either side, they just go have, Sex ten times with somebody you never even met may not even want to. What's what's the point of that anyway? Ugh. Anyway, to get back to our get back to our study about the middle class. That was segment. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do a Paul Harvey page two. Back to where we talked about before the break, uh, Jeff. I, I wonder what you were talking about that you know Biden and Trump and people uh, in, in our day. And you're not as old as me, but I'm saying in our day, the political thing was I'll say fairly easy. The money sometimes was on the was on the I'll use the term crazy fringes. They're not crazy, but on the fringes. That if you wanted Republican money, you had to really go deep down into the ultra conservative guys that had the dough and sneak over there and grab a check and you know kind of promise them you do some stuff and then you you duck back in the middle. The idea is you wanted to get as far away from that as not as far away, but you wanted to be diffuse that as much as you could. Because the votes were really in this huge American middle class. Same way if you're on the left, you run over to from some tree hugger and figure out what all he wants to do, get his check, and then you go in the middle where all the votes were. It was like, it was like 2020, maybe not even that much, 15, 15, and then there's 70% of the votes that are in the middle that you try and be as moderate as you can and, and attract as many of those people as possible. It used, used to be, in my simpleton way of looking at it, was somewhat the strategy, and Clinton was the best at that. Because he could take a check from somebody, tell, promise the guy he's going to do something before he walked out the front door. He forgot even what he promised him, right? But he, he was amoral when it came to that. We just go right for where the voters were. But it's not a slam on him. I'm saying that's that's if you're in that business, that's pretty easy to do. I'd have trouble with that. Uh, you know, just telling people whatever they wanted to hear and then forgetting about it two seconds later. But now, a Trump doesn't do that. Now Biden doesn't do that. Obama started not doing that. Is it possible, Jeff? That what Eliani and I were talking about, the demise of the middle class also has caused that these guys are now operating, that the 15%, I'll say knuckleheads on either side, has grown to 25. And a guy like Trump, or maybe even Biden, is willing to take the 30%, 25% hardliners that you know are on your side, pile into election, and figuring all you need now is 20% of the remaining 70 and you win. And enough of those people aren't going to like the person on the other side. You just might get them, even though they're not really quote Trump fans or Chief fans or Jeff fans. It, it, it to me that the whole math seems to have changed, kind of as the math has changed and how big the middle class is. Am I am I totally all wet here or no? Well, it it it's a viewpoint, and as someone who uh, you know actively put skin in the game towards uh, political outcomes as an active political wager. It's something that, you know, I, I follow closely. There, there's another view I think I subscribe a little bit uh, more. more. Uh, I wouldn't call that a view, by the way. I'd call it more of an observation and a question yeah, to you. Yeah, well, and that is that, at least politically, um, there there is um, the middle still matters. Uh, there are many people, as a result of the last couple of election cycles, who are saying that the middle is shrinking and that it's not material anymore and that playing to the base is is the best political strategy and that 
clearly has to be the dominant thinking under this administration because there's been zero attempt to play to the middle. I mean, in fact, if anything, it's moved uh, farther farther to the left and than was anticipated, certainly by Biden's own speech making, you know, during the election cycle. But but there's been no effort to play toward the middle at all, and even no reconsideration in light of falling polling numbers and other things to, to make a move toward the middle. And that thinking is based on statistical data that absolutely confirms that the middle has been shrinking over the last four election cycles, particularly over the last two general election cycles and that there are less undecided, there are less, you know, undeclared, there are less uh, people who don't identify as either Democrat or Republican. And, and data-wise, that's accurate. But where I don't agree with that data and, and come to a different action from that conclusion is that it doesn't mean the middle doesn't still matter. The middle matters more than ever, uh, in my own opinion, because even though the middle has been shrinking statistically, they are still ending up relatively proportionately in opposing camps. So Democrats and Republicans have both gained uh, per, by uh, their fair pro rata share, relatively 50-50, of that shrinking so-called politically unattached or politically disaffected or so-called middle. So the middle still matters. The middle is still the swing vote. Um, and the middle is uh, predominantly the reason that the that the Democrats are going to get squashed in, uh, in in November, because the middle has has been shifting and and votes have been shifting. You might have seen a couple days ago that GOP um, membership or uh, it was a Wall Street Journal headline about the GOP has a uh, the first rate rank increase. Uh, people in a recent survey, it was a Gallup or Pew survey, uh, for the first time acknowledged that it was a 14-point swing in favor of Republicans as to how they'll vote in the next general election. Those are huge, huge oh, yeah. numbers. And, and also something that's been well documented now is that the uh, Hispanic vote, for the most part, has really, really uh, been swinging, um, and that um, I would agree there. That's thought, something yeah, I have not thought about. Yeah, in the, the uh, Quinnipiac poll that came out last week, that had uh, only a twenty-eight percent approval rating among Hispanics for the Biden administration. That was an extremely uh, distressing signal for Democratic operatives to see only twenty-eight percent approval, lower than the national average among Hispanics. Uh, for the Biden administration. Well, that's why I asked you. We saw that trend under Trump that the votes were starting to swing in his direction, which was a surprise to many, and then to see it under Biden is even more alarming. So the middle matters is my perspective, and the idea of playing hard to your base, it's not going to win elections. Well, and that's kind of why I asked you the question, because I thought, and I actually think, well, I thought the, the Hillary situation was, Somewhat unique, you know, whether Trump stumbled on it or was smart enough to pick up on it, you know, I'll never know. Uh, but he, he basically figured if he could go into the election with 25 to 30 percent of the hardliners, of whether they're hardline, either side I'll call hardliners, the hardline Trump people, that out of the remaining 70, there's no way Hillary gets, you know, 50, not 55, but out of the 70 left that she was going to get. 60, 60 of those people. Because there's people like me that wouldn't vote for Hillary if she's running against a dog. I, w- 
I mean, after after the, her, you know, stealing stuff in her account and things in a business I'm in, I never wanted to trade my account that wasn't mine. And yet she had some in there, so I, I can't vote for the lady no matter what. I mean, I just so there's people like me in the middle, which and I wasn't going to vote for Trump either, so I voted for. Sure. And now, I think Biden f- may feel that this, that the same thing is happening this time. That even if Trump is his opponent three years from now, and I, I can't imagine those two old geezers both running, but yeah, right. But if but if they do, I, I mean, he, I he probably he probably feels that okay, he's going to enter the thing. He's going he's going to use the same formula. Okay, he's going to walk in with twenty five percent of the people still going to the rallies, but out of the other seventy five percent, there's enough people in there that won't don't want Trump anywhere near the White House again, even though they might be Republicans. So there's really no the demise of both parties in the sense that I don't I don't feel the Democratic Party has anything for me anymore when I was my whole life a Democrat and I'll sit and have an adult beverage with people who are Republicans feel the same way. That the the, the Trump side of the party you know, they're 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 the party of Chuck Percy and Everett Dirks in it. That's that ship has sailed, right? And I'm the party of Adley Stevenson and uh and Paul Simon. That that ship has sailed. I mean, there's an awful lot. Of, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say the uh, the middle class now is, if, if I'm a part of it, is is part of the great adrift. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know where you put me. Why you where you would predict where I'm voting? Are the same people that well, that my you're friends the vote that matters. You're you're the swing voter, and and that and that's the premise. There are listen. You see it in the numbers all the time. You see that 33 percent that won't budge. It, it doesn't matter how incompetent Biden. His first year is looking, or how obnoxious Trump was through his four years as the president. There are 33 percent that just don't move, but the middle gets bigger, and sometimes it contracts. And anyone who doubts the importance of the middle, you know, say what you want if you're, uh, you know, a Trump or Republican supporter. But hey, listen, the middle is what cost Trump the election. You know, it wasn't voting fraud. I mean, you can make a strong case that the media in Silicon Valley played a big hand. And I would agree with that 100%. Um, but it's still, you can't ignore the numbers. His popular vote, you know, the Electoral College kind of blurred the reality. But he got trounced in the popular vote, and that was the middle. Those were swing voters, people that had voted for him, that had had enough, and then switched sides and went the other way. I think the women killed him, too. I mean, uh, uh, Absolutely. And, I, and, yeah. and for good reason. I mean, uh, yeah. I, you think there's any chance of somebody... I'm going to say, for refreshing, good piling out of these parties and kicking both of these guys to the side for the next election. Yeah, there, I, I would tell you right now that there is not a chance that Trump or Biden will lead the tickets in 2024. I know that's not the conventional wisdom, particularly on the Trump side, but it's not going to happen. Well, how's the party going to kick uh, Kamala Harris to the curb? Because they know they want to and they have to because she hasn't shown anything. How are they going to do that and keep the uh, keep that vote? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, but 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 they have to. She's, you know, there there's little opportunity for her to resurrect, um, you know, her her persona now. She's had opportunities, and she's uh, chosen to step aside. She's she's not going to make it. How does, how does I, I wouldn't I wouldn't see her at the top of the ticket either. Um, but but uh, the most important prediction here is that you won't see Trump or Biden uh, topping their respective. Well, so who's it going to be, Jeff? Who, Jeff and who else? Uh, certainly won't be me. Um, How do you know? It's three years away. I'm pretty confident of that. But uh, all of a sudden, luck box. You know, I, I think you're going to see on the Republican side. You'll see um, 
my dark horse candidate would be um, oh Jesus, I'm, I'm blanking on him right now. Uh, Pompeo, Mike Pompeo, um, uh, is a dark horse candidate. You're going to see. Oh uh, boy, I never, I never thought of that, but yeah, I never thought of that. But I, I can, yeah, he, I can he's almost not getting that. much mentions right now, but but I've got him over at predicted at three cents, and you know, so there's a lot of upside there. I figure I'll trade that out around fifteen or twenty cents. Um, but there's Mike Pompeo, there's uh, Marco Rubio, and that's as a result of you know the increased Hispanic uh, uh, vote switching over into the Republican Party. Um, on the Democratic side, I hate to say this, but I would expect you're going to see Pritzker show up. Uh, you know that he will is what? Talk. Oh yeah, absolutely, it's going to happen. Uh, Pritzker will end up being a candidate. Um, I, not the candidate, but a candidate. Um, you know, Klobuchar will reemerge, but I don't know if she has legs. Hillary, absolutely, her name will show up. So you're going to have an interesting uh, primary. Uh, be, and uh, for the first time, you're going to see it, the Hillary going to be Democratic establishment taking on it. How uh, old is Hillary? She's it, seven, She'll be seventy-five. Administration. She'll be seventy-five, won't she? Well, yeah, but that's that's seventy-five is the new forty-five in the Democratic Party. Oh God. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to have to vote against her again. I thought I did it my last time. And I, I uh, is, is there it's anybody? Gonna be a, it's going to be a very, very interesting. Uh, isn't there anybody else? In the Democratic Party. Sure, Klobuchar, Warren. Um, oh no, Warren. oh don't don't don't, even, don't go there. Oh Jesus! I mean, somebody good. How does how does somebody like Elizabeth Warren appear to have? Uh, like, like Lou said last week, when she was a, a, a teacher at Harvard, she actually was very bright. How do how do people just kind of lose it? I mean, she's she has she, she says stuff in my mind that is very perceptive. She 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 reminds me of the of the the mirror image of Ted Cruz. They make a, a yeah. very intelligent, rational observation, and then they go to some conclusion, which is. Bernie, Bernie, what's his name? It's the same way. Bernie uh, Sanders. Andrew Sham, that's a good point. Listen, there, there is a message here, right? I mean, it, uh, Oxfam just issued a report within the last 24 hours that said the 10 richest men in the world doubled their wealth during the pandemic to $1.5 trillion. The 10 richest men in the world doubled their wealth, right? And... Um, Listen, uh, you know, you won't see the, the, the wealth tax, the attack on the ultra-rich. As the pandemic continues, that argument's not going to dissipate. Um, you know, there, Oxfam made the simple uh, point that if you just had a 100%, well, they said 99%, I guess that was to be palatable or political. If you had a 99% tax on the wealth created by the 10 richest men in the world, during the pandemic, so in other words, confiscate all their all their gains during the pandemic. That it would pay for all the COVID vaccines for the entire world. Um, how do you how do you in a position that? Well, I guess I am more than you because you're uh, uh, you're you're more in the in the the news business these days. But you're still got your eye on the markets and everything. How does how does a guy like me? Right. Who, Our news is the market. So yes. yes. Well, I, but I, my point yeah. is is that sure. is that how uh, how exactly the way I the way I look at this is that we we talk about these candidates and their flaws and so forth. To me, the 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 I mean the, the what Pfizer's done here 
uh, what some of these other big companies have done, and I went on Microsoft taking over another place. Someplace, somewhere, the war, the, the next war is going to be five com- five countries against ten of these companies. They are way too big, way too powerful, controlling way too much, and yet I I want those companies to go up because my people are in them, and I'm you know and I'm investing in them. It, but there, there is no way that anybody that this this whole the the Pfizer's roots in government and this whole COVID thing, doing the studies, doing you know, and you uh, and, and you get the airlines telling people how safe it is to be on planes sitting next to each other. Same time they're telling you you got to walk forty feet away from somebody with a mask on outside on the beach. I mean, someplace somewhere, people are going to realize that the that the fight here is not between uh, you, me, me, and some you know either right wing nut job or left wing nut job or anybody else like that, or even between them. It's between the people getting all the money and the people giving it to them. And this is this is way out of line, Jeff. It's way out of line, and I, and I don't. I don't see any of the people you named either rec- either recognizing that or being able to deal with it effectively. I well, s- you do. You you have you know Sanders and Warren, where that's their primary message, and even AOC. The problem is they might have the message right, but the messengers are flawed. So uh, you know that. Listen, that is the argument that that would you know the Democrats are overinvested right now in things like racism, critical race theory. Uh, January sixth, they've really kind of over over invested in those projects. Even at the extent of uh, things where they had a broader consensus, like climate change, they've they've really pushed that to the curb. When was the last time you've heard a substantive discussion about climate change during this administration? Well, because uh, they've really over invested in the, in racism and in the, the topics of January sixth, etc. But if they remember what matters to their constituents and they, they go back to climate change and start, you know, revisiting wealth inequality and the, and the income gap, um, you know, that, that will become a winning message for the Democrats. So they still have time, but Jeff, they're the, way off course. Right the, now. Uh, the idea of somebody like that uh, dis- saying something about it, discussing it, it's useless as, as bleeps on a bull, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Bernie Bernie has no more. That's his story. He's he, he he couldn't he couldn't move the needle a second on that, and, he, and neither can Ted Cruz, and neither can Warren. Somebody has to get up and do something. It's like I mean, how many how many months now is this? Uh, I'll just say the Fed Chairman Powell been talking about maybe cutting back. He's pouring money in every day. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll discuss it at our March meeting. What does that do? I mean, if, if ever you came in with a, with a gaping wound or something, I'll, t- I'll we'll, we'll be talking about it next week when I go to when I go see my doctor. Meanwhile, you're sitting there bleeding. At some point, you got to do something. Agreed. Um, exactly. Jeff, thank you very much, buddy. The new magazine uh, it's it's on the shelves now, or just available online? It it is. It's on the shelves, but it's uh, easiest to find at getluckbox.com. Jeff, thank you, buddy. SP futures down forty five. Nasdaq futures down two thirty two. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 
888-344-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it.